I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to think about it and answer in your own heart. And the question is simply this, what is the one thing you really want in life? What is the one thing you really want in life? And I want to give you a moment to really think about that, to really contemplate that question. What is the one thing, if you had to boil it down to one thing, what is the one thing? you really want in life. 
Is it a possession or a person? Maybe it's power or a position. Maybe you would say it's a little more abstract. It's something like peace. You know, life is multifaceted. Life is complicated. We can easily become overwhelmed and exhausted and even confused at times. And what we need to do is what uh, I was reading this past week that the old Bible teacher J. Bernie McGee suggested. He said we need to keep whittling our lives down like you would whittle a pencil. Remember taking a pocket knife and kind of whittling away and keep whittling and whittling and whittling like you would the end of a pencil till you can get to the point where you can write with that pencil. Now, David, he decided what was the most important thing in his life, what he really, really wanted. In fact, he shares it here in Psalm 27 with us. Now, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. If you're with us, you may remember that David's in trouble. Um, he's on the run. We think that he's actually running away from King Saul, who's hunting him down, who wants to do away with him. And while he could be consumed with fear, he is not. He's not consumed with fear. And I want to look again at those opening verses we studied last time, Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3. And um, if, you, if you're just beginning in this psalm, really look at verse 1. And uh, as we read it together, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Then he speaks in the past tense of what God had already done. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. God delivered me. God helped me. Then verse 3, he begins to look to the future. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. And we said that in the midst of problems, we don't need to focus on the problems or the enemies or the issues that we're dealing with. Instead, we need to focus on our God. And today, as we begin to look at verses uh, 4 through 6, we're going to see how David went about doing this, how he stayed focused on God in the midst of trouble, in the midst of great fear that could have taken over his life. He stays focused on God. And so let's look at those next three verses together, verses 4 through 6. He says, One thing, notice this, One thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing. I desire to the Lord. That will I seek. Well, what is it, David? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Now, what David did, we ought to do as well. I mean, imagine for a moment someone is hunting you down. They want to dispose of you. They want to get rid of you. They want to kill you. They want to wipe you out. And you're on the run. And you're being hunted down. But imagine you're in the midst of that, and instead of being consumed with fear, you're focused absolutely, totally upon the Lord. And because you are, you're not consumed with fear. You're not consumed with being afraid. Now the question is, how did David do this? We know that God gives grace. Now some of us have already faced things in our life we thought we could never face. 
We're going to face other things in our lives we don't think we can face, but God gives grace. The old saying is you don't get dying grace until you're dying. But we find some things that David did here that we can do as well. And in fact, I think we see here in this passage three steps that will aid us in keeping our focus set upon the Lord, especially in times of trouble and fear and being afraid. Three steps we could, that will aid us and help us in staying focused on the Lord. And the very first one is this one. It is desire. It is desire. Notice that David states it very plain here. He says, this is what I desire. And it's not just a desire, but this is my one desire. This is my big desire. This is my main desire. And what was it? Well, look again at verse 4. One thing I desire to the Lord... That, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. And so his desire in life was to dwell in the house of the Lord, beholding the Lord's beauty and inquiring in His temple. I like the way the New Living Translation translates it. It says, this, uh, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in in his temple. In other words, he wanted to be, listen, in the Lord's presence. David's one desire was to be in the Lord's presence. And that desire helped to keep him going and focused and not fearful in the midst of some pretty awful days. Now be honest about it. What is it that you truly desire? Are you like David? Do you want to spend time with the Lord above all. Now, to be honest, that may not be your desire at all. In fact, I know that it's not many Christians' desire. Uh, many Christians have a hard time even coming to church for an hour to worship, much less be consumed with the presence of the Lord all the days of their life. In fact, your one desire, if you're honest today, might be something totally different. It might even be selfish. It might be something self-centered and selfish. Now, let me remind you of some pretty plain truths, though. If your desire is self-centered and selfish, can I just remind you that all of our selfish desires end up empty. All of our selfish desires end up empty. Even if you get them, what I mean is this, they don't truly satisfy. They leave you short. So many people spent their life pursuing something, and when they finally got that thing, they were focused upon, they felt very empty inside. They were not satisfied because all of our selfish and self-centered desires will leave us empty. As one Christian song puts it, but all an empty world can sell us empty dreams. And so if we focus upon our own selfish, self-centered desires, we're going to end up disappointed. Even when we reach them, we'll find it's empty and it's hollow and it's disappointing. And so what you need to do, what I need to do is make our one desire Jesus. The Lord, to be in His presence. It's very interesting. If we'll make Him our delight, He will give us our desires. So what are you talking about? Well, look at Psalm 37, verse 4. It's a tremendous verse. It's a startling verse. It's a verse you've got to chew on for a while. But notice what it says. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will do what? He shall give you the desires of your heart. That's a pretty bold verse. That's an amazing promise from God's Word. Delight yourself also the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. So how can He say that? Well, because of the first part of the verse. 
You get your delight right, you'll get your desires right. And when He gives you the desires of your heart, those things that are truly worthwhile, when you receive those, they won't come up empty. Why? Because your delight is truly the Lord. Because your greatest desire will be the Lord. And He never disappoints. And He never lets down. And it's never empty. But the question is, how do I do this, preacher? How do I stoke this holy desire in my life? Well, it's a battle at times because we live in a place where everything that we see, hear, and experience goes totally against stoking holy desire. We live in a world that feeds our selfish desire and our selfish goals and our selfish dreams. Um, Millions, if not billions of dollars are spent on teaching us and, and, and trying to train us that if we'll just get this thing or just buy this product or, or just get in this group or just follow this person, it's going to solve all the issues of our life. And so they, they do all these things to try to get us focused on everything else. But I'm telling you, you need to stop as a child of God and really consider your life. Consider the brevity of your life. Consider what it is you're living for, who it is you're living for. And we want this holy desire. And you say, well, how do I get it? How do I begin to kind of stoke that holy fire, that holy desire in my life? Well, David here shows us and helps us to do that. First of all, he thought about the Lord's presence. And as he thinks about the Lord's presence, he thinks about all that comes with the presence of the Lord. You know, your presence brings some things with it. My presence brings some things with it. Don't look around. Don't say anything out loud. But think about some people that when you see their presence and you see them coming towards you, you, sometimes you want to run the other way because their presence brings some stuff with it. You, You see them shopping on another aisle and you go the other aisle. Hope they don't see you. Don't look at me like that. I know that's the truth. You see their name pop up on the caller ID and you let it go to voicemail because their presence, even their voice in your life, brings some stuff with it. And it's the same with the Lord. When the Lord's presence, when you're in the Lord's presence, you experience His presence and all that it brings with it. And the Lord's presence brings with it protection. Um, Look at verse number 5. We read it before. Look at verse 5 again. We see the Lord's protection. Remember his desire, I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to behold his beauties, his perfections, his qualities. I want to inquire in his temple. Verse 5, we find protection. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. And not, not only hide me, he's going to set me, it says here, high upon a rock. You know, when you are surrounded by problems and issues and enemies, it can cause your head to drop. I mean, physically, you can walk around drooped down. But the Lord's presence in our life changes that. In fact, beloved, He is the lifter of our heads. Look at verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. You see, the Lord's presence in your life, it brings with it protection and provision and promotion and peace. I know we have many here that are parents. Some of you are empty nesters now, but some still have kids at home. But think about your kids and your presence. When when you're there and your kids were younger and they were dependent upon you, when they were in your presence, they didn't worry about much. 
You went to a restaurant, they weren't fretting over who's going to pay the bill, were they? It was a dangerous situation. They came to your presence. Why? Because your presence as a, as a father and mother, it brought protection. It brought provision. It brought a peace in their life. Because they were with their parent or their grandparent and they looked to you in those situations. But beloved, how much more is that true as we are children of God in the very presence of God? And can I just remind you, we're always in His presence. There are a lot of people who are alone right now and have been alone for months, but they're not alone. Because He's always with us. And so we thought about the Lord's presence and the provision and what came along with that. But even more than that, David, he focused upon the Lord Himself. You see, if we want to stoke holy desire in our life, we want to say, focus on the Lord, consider the Lord Himself. David said, listen, I want to behold the beauties of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, what he meant by that is he wants to think about the qualities of the Lord, the attributes of the Lord, His character, His person. He wanted to focus upon who God is, to see Him in His glory, to realize that God is holy and merciful and just and, and everywhere omnipresent and omniscient and omnipotent. He's all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. He is just. He is glorious. And on and on he begins to focus upon the character, the qualities, the beauties of the Lord. And beloved, when you begin to see some of the beauty of the Lord, you want more of it. And you want to experience Him more and know Him more. Now we're talking about three steps to help us, to aid us in staying focused on the Lord. And the first one is simply desire. You have to have that desire. And we talked about some ways to kind of stoke that desire. But there's a second part here that David shows us with his own life. And that is the idea of dedication. Or we could say decision. It's not enough just to have a desire. A lot of people desire a lot of things. But the problem is they have a desire, but they don't have the decision or the dedication to pursue that desire. But look at what it says in verse 4. Again, Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I've desired of the Lord, but He doesn't stop there. Look, notice the next four words. That will I seek. I'm going to go after the desire. I'm not just going to desire the Lord. I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to seek the Lord. And if we're going to dwell in the presence of the Lord and really get to know Him, and really get to behold His beauty and His qualities and His goodness and inquire in His temple, it's going, to, it's going to cost us some time and some effort. He says it this way in verse 4 again. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek. And then he says what? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Now the question is, how can we, how can we behold the beauty of the Lord? How can we inquire in His temple? I mean, we can't see the Lord. We can't look literally at the Lord. We can look at all of His wonderful works. We can see His glory. And boy, uh, just one day this past week, I was out prayer walking. One another, and I just said, Lord, you've outdone yourself today. It's just the beauty that He's surrounded us with. But how do I behold the beauty of the Lord Himself, His person? How do I inquire in His temple? Well, I see very simply, very simply here, is the Bible and prayer. Now, now listen, don't check out. The Bible and prayer. In the Bible, in God's Word, we get to see who God is 
and what He wants us to do. We get to behold the beauties of the Lord and inquire in His temple. In His presence, with His Word, we get to hear from Him. In prayer, we get to speak to Him. Now, beloved, I recognize that whenever I preach or teach and I tell people that they need to spend time in the Bible and in prayer, probably a lot of people hear that and it goes in one ear and out the other. Or they think like this. Yeah, I've heard this before. What else do you have? I know Bible and prayer, Bible and prayer. We've heard this before. But the truth of the matter is, if that's the way you're thinking, if it goes one ear and out the other, if you think, well, I've heard this before, what else do you have? I want something new. Then the truth of the matter is, I really wonder if you're actually spending time in the Bible and in prayer. Because if you are, and you're growing your relationship with the Lord, you don't think that way when you hear spend time in the Bible and prayer. Your heart desires you wish you had more time to spend in the Bible and in prayer. Now, have you found out in life that relationships take time? Relationships take time. They take energy. They take effort. If you're going to get to know someone, it's going to take some time, energy, effort. You're you're going to inconvenience yourself. You're going to spend money. You're going to go out of your way to build a relationship. That's true in friendship. That's true in marriage. That's true in parenting. In every relationship of life, we're really going to build a relationship. It takes energy. It takes effort. We have to put some work into it. And if you're going to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple, it's going to cost you. You're going to have to put time and effort and energy. You're going to have to to make it a priority in your life. But the payout is unbelievable. Because what did we say earlier? Some things we desire, even relationships in our our life we pursue, they leave us empty and hollow and void, uh, even hurt. But, But Jesus never disappoints. The Lord always satisfies. And the payout that we get when we spend time in the Word and prayer and building our relationship with the Lord is tremendous. And if you're not going to fill your life with Scripture and prayer, you're going to struggle more than you have to. I mean, the choice is really yours. I mean, you can kind of go through these things and struggle through because trouble comes. Issues come. Enemies come. We don't have to go looking for them. They find us. And so what we need is the presence of the Lord in our lives. You know, as I said last week, David is talking to himself here. And we mentioned the fact that we need to talk to ourselves and we need to tell ourselves the truth. And even though David's in trouble, he's focusing upon the Lord and he reminds himself of some great truth about the Lord. In verse 1, in the midst of everything that's going on in his life, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. The idea is he's a fortress. He's he's a refuge. Of whom shall I be afraid? Remember our circumstances. they, They don't affect, they don't impact God's character God's character is not based on my circumstances. No matter what's going on in our world, in our life, in our nation, in our family, God is always good. God is always great. God is always right. His plan is always perfect. He's sovereign. He's glorious. He's beautiful in all of His attributes. He's always good. He's always the same. And we need to dedicate ourselves, make a decision in our life that God helping me, I'm going to get to know God and know Him personally, and know Him in a greater way. I'm going to give my life to knowing Him. I'm going to delight in Him. 
Because the Bible says if I delight in Him, He'll give me the desires of my heart. And so we have here two of the steps. The first is desire. The second is dedication. But then there's a third here as we're trying to see from David's life how that we can, can focus upon the Lord in the midst of trials and troubles and the enemy. And when fearfulness must take over our lives, instead of fear, we walk in faith, focus on the Lord. The third step is this, and it's devotion. Devotion. You see, when you spend time getting to know God, when you behold the beauties of the Lord, when you inquire in His holy temple, you cannot help but praise Him. And that's what David experienced. Look back at verse 6. He just talked about Him being the Lord is my light, my salvation. He's, he's delivered me from enemies. He'll deliver me in the future. I have one desire in life. I want to, I want to dwell in the house, but I want to look at, upon the Lord and, and understand and get to know Him and inquire in His temple. And then he says in verse 6, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. The Lord's going to deliver me again. Therefore, notice what he says, I will offer sacrifices of joy in His tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. David says, I'm going to worship. Now remember where he is. He is not at the moment sitting in his glorious, luxurious home on a throne. He may be hiding in a cave. He's on the run. We think this is where King Saul is pursuing him. Some think it's his son Absalom, but regardless, either situation is a horrible place to find yourself. And then maybe there he's, he's hiding, he's cowering, he's by himself. He could be consumed with fear, but he's not. He's focused upon the Lord. And he says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have joy. I'm going to have joy in the Lord. I'm going to sing praise to the Lord. Because in the midst of this, remember, this is where he wrote this psalm. Inspired by God, he wrote this psalm. By the way, Many of the songs that minister to us the most were written at the lowest time in a person's life. And in that lowest time of their life, God ministered to them in such a way that they've been ministering to us ever since as we hear and sing their music. And here's one of the low... We talk about a, a rough time in your life. But the truth of the matter is, if God had not allowed David to go through all of that time of preparation before seating him on the throne, imagine all the psalms we would not have today. I mean, when David was in that, wherever he was at this moment, maybe in a cave, hiding out somewhere, I, I know that he didn't have a thought that uh, a group of people in Anson County, North Carolina, because there was no such thing, Many, many years later, we'll be in the midst of a pandemic, living in a nation that is burning in many ways, needing comfort, needing grace, needing help. They, they would read these words and be reminded, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the enemies come, the Lord's going to deliver He's going to help. The day would be encouraging us so, so far down the road. David says, I'm going to worship. 
I'm going to offer sacrifices of joy to the Lord. I'm going to sing praises to the Lord. By the way, we still sacrifice. Now, you didn't bring an animal with you today, and I'm glad about that. I'm glad I didn't live in the time of the Old Testament and, and I was not an Old Testament priest because basically uh, you served a lot of, of, of just butchering and, and just shedding of blood. But we still sacrifice. When we come, we do what? We bring sacrifices of joy. We, we praise the Lord with song. By the way, I hope you have a song in your heart. And so what we have here is David is worshiping and this ties right in with what? His one desire. My one desire is the Lord and His presence. He's consumed with God. And you might hear that. He's consumed with God. You might think, well, that's great for David. You know, he lived a long time ago and he had time for that. I don't have time to be consumed with God. I have too much to do. I'm too busy. I've got too many responsibilities. I've got too much to take care of. I can't be consumed with God. Beloved, listen, if that's your heart, stop. And consider for a moment. What David's saying here, he's not saying I want to be a priest or a Levite when he says I want to spend my days in the house of the Lord. What he is saying is my life, no matter what else I have to do. And by the way, he did a lot. And a lot was coming in his life. We're looking back on a story. He's living it real time. You ever notice that's the way it is with all the Bible characters? They live real time. We look back. It's easy for us to armchair quarterback them. But the truth of the matter is, we're living real time right now. One day somebody's going to look back on our life. But David's saying here, no matter what else I have to do, it's going to be about God. Whether I'm a king, a shepherd, no matter what it is, I'm going to be about God. I'm going to stay focused on God. And that should be our desire as well. David Jeremiah shared the following in a devotional. He says, in 1967, Charles Hummel published a booklet entitled Tyranny of the Urgent. I read that little booklet years ago. Have you ever read Tyranny of the Urgent? Well, it was a little booklet that was written, like I said, back in the 60s by Charles Hummel. And he suggested a reason why we're overworked and disorganized. And it's because of jumbled priorities. And Hummel, in that little booklet, he relates an experience that a factory manager once told him. And here's what that factory manager said, and I quote, Your greatest danger is letting the urgent crowd out the important. Your greatest danger is letting the urgent crowd out the important. He says, what are the important things in life? Well, Jeremiah says, our time with the Lord, our families, the work that only we can do is assigned by our Father. But how easily these true priorities are pushed aside by the urgent demands of the day. And how true that is, beloved. We let the urgent things push out the important things. What about you? I think the real issue we struggle with many times, it's a lordship issue. The lordship of Christ. Can I just remind you today that if Jesus is your Savior, He is your Lord. You say, well, what does that mean? That means he's Lord. He's in charge. He's boss. He's master. He's Lord. He gets to call the shots. And by the way, he is not just Lord of your church time. He's not just Lord of Sunday morning. He is Lord of every moment, every day of your life. And he's Lord of every area of your life. 
And he, he wants to, let me rephrase that, he expects to be considered and consulted concerning every area of our life. Every decision that we make should be brought under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you and how that hits you, but it should be a relief to know that you are not in charge. Aren't you glad about that? Uh, you don't have to make all these decisions on your own. He is Lord. You can come to Him and say, Lord, what would you have me to do in this situation? Can I just remind you that He's interested in your family. He's interested in your work, your school, your decisions, your future, your problems, your everything. Whatever it is that's on your heart, He's interested in it. He has a desire. He has something He wants you to do. And so I say to you today, quit resisting Him. Quit trying to live life on your own. Quit trying to push Him out. Quit trying to separate your life into compartments because a lot of people live that way. Now, here's my spiritual compartment. And it consists of Sunday morning I go to church. If I'm really super spiritual, Wednesday night I might go to church. I may read a five-minute devotional. I'll pray over my meals. I'll give to the church. Oh, and if somebody's sick, I'll pray for them. That's my spiritual compartment. Then here's my work, to work compartment here. And that consists of Monday through Friday and all the decisions you have to make and everything that goes with that. And then here's my family department and all that goes with that. And here's my hobbies and my fun. And I put all that over here. And I live my life by compartmentalizing all these things. Can I just tell you, there are no compartments. It's all holy. It's all sacred. And God is interested in every area of your life. And God is not a killjoy. It delights the Lord when you go and you have recreation that is good, clean, pure recreation. He's okay with vacation. He's okay with these various things. All of our life is under His Lordship. Your job, your school, your decisions in life, all of it's under His Lordship. And the very best thing we can do is come and say, you are Lord, you are Master, what do you want me to do in this area? Because all of it is an act of worship. What's the Bible say? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He's interested in eating and drinking. He created us to be able to eat and drink. He created us because we had to eat and drink. And He provides everything we have to eat and drink. It's all His. His idea. And He was interested in David here. And David was not on his own. It seemed that way. It seemed that the problems were caving in on him. But he says, no. The Lord is my. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He's the strength of my life. I have one desire in life. Now, was David perfect? No. Remember, we're reading back. We're looking over the whole story. And many times we only focus upon the bad and what they did bad. Why? Because it makes us feel better about our own lives. Let's just be honest about it. So, oh, remember what David did with Bathsheba? Yeah, that was a horrible thing. And all that came with that. But never forget that God said that David was a man after mine own heart. And we see it here, don't we? The one thing I desire is to be in the Lord's presence. Remember we're talking about in this series, what if tackling our fears. 
And can I just tell you, if you're going to run your own life, you're going to spend a lot of time afraid. And if you're going to be in charge of your life, if you're going to call all the shots, if you're going to run your life, you're going to spend a lot of time afraid. Give your life. Give all of your life to Jesus. He is the Lord. And can I just remind you, He is good. Always good. Never a day that He's not good. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Let's bow together. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. First of all, I've got to ask you, have you given your heart to Jesus Christ, your life? Do you know Him as Lord and Savior? If not, there's no better time than right now to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. He loves you. He will forgive you. He will save you. Call upon Him today. He'll wash away your sin and make you His child. I know that I have a lot of believers in this room. I thank God for you. What is God saying to you this morning? What did the Holy Spirit put His finger on in your life today? I mean, have you surrendered to His Lordship in your life? Is there some area you're trying to keep for yourself and say, well, you know, I'll give the Lord this, but I've got to handle this. No, you can't handle it. You've got to give everything to Him. And say, Lord, I'm Yours. You are good. You are perfect. And, and, and I may not always understand what You're allowing to happen in my life. I may not even like everything You're doing, but I know that You are good. And Your plan is perfect. And even though I may be surrounded by enemies and fear is caving in on me, I will choose to focus on you and your presence as you help me. And I wonder right now, before we sing a closing song, if you need to take a moment right where you are in your seat and just talk to the Lord about whatever He's been talking to you about today. I'm going to let you do that. And then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing in closing. Take a moment there and just talk with the Lord. Oh God, You are so wonderful, so glorious, so beautiful. Help us to trust You, to desire You, to love You with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. May our one desire in life be Your presence in our life. Help us to delight ourselves in You, that You will give us the desire of our heart. Lord, that You would give us Yourself and Your glory and Your beauty. Help us to know You. We know we can never know all there is to know, but help us to know more and more every day of our life. And we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen. So we think about the beauty of the Lord and His excellencies and His attributes. I think we'll sing in closing a psalm that's most appropriate, worthy of worship, worthy of praise. You are worthy. And I hope that we'll sing it from our hearts today. Let's stand together and sing worthy of worship.